Hey guys, Fight Japan Podcast. Today we have Stuart Fulton on the podcast. Stuart has an incredible story about coming over to Japan as a young man, getting involved with the biggest MMA gym in the country during the Pride era, and working with some of the legends of the sport. He's now a writer as well as a commentator for Pancrase and Quintet. Really interesting interview. Hope you enjoy. So, Stuart, thanks so much for coming by. Thanks for having me, Mike. Good to be here. I guess we can go back a little bit on、um, what brought you to Japan in the first place. The basic question you, you always hear when you're,、uh, when you're talking with somebody. So,、um, I was planning on、uh, actually teaching English in Spain. And、uh, I spoke to my career advisor at, at university. This was way after I graduated. And,、uh, you know, talked to him about that. And it was him that brought up, you know, how about Japan? And I asked him about the East, possibly China.、Uh, and he said, how about Japan? There's some opportunities there. And then, yeah, that, that clicked in my head right away because I've been watching Pride videos, you know, on, on VHS.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. At my,、uh, my old martial arts、uh, instructor's house,、uh, Rick Young. Big shout out to.、Uh, Rick Young's Black Belt Academy in Edinburgh for getting me started. So,、um, yeah, that was it. I interviewed, got the job up, and、uh, was set to leave a month later,、um, which was the beginning of January. So, that's basically exactly 18 years, virtually、wow. exactly 18 years ago、uh, this week. So, what, what type of martial art were you training in Edinburgh at the time? All right, so I started with、um, kickboxing, like Muay Thai.、Um, Rick taught a little bit of,、uh, not a little bit, he taught a lot of、uh, Jeet Kune Do、um, and、um, some other、uh, Filipino art, Kali, i s k r i m a stuff like that.、Um, and Jiu Jitsu as well.、Mm. I didn't start with, with, with Jiu Jitsu. I did a little bit with the Gi before I came, but it was mostly stand up that,、um, that I did. Yeah, so I mean, so you, you decided you came over initially for English, but、um, so I had heard that like, you arrived essentially right at, when Pride started, right? Or when Pride was, was getting big. I remember those videos too. I used to go down, I bought, like, I think my first one was Pride 10 actually. And、um, did you get to any of the fights around that era? Like, were you, were you, you know, trying to get up to Saitama around then? Virtually all of them, because I was、no. living in, in Saitama for a period.、Mm. So、um, it wasn't that far. To get to the, the super arena.、Mm. And actually, I'd been training for a short time at the, one of the Shuto、um, smaller gyms out there at the,、mm-hmm. the Gold's Gym.、Mm, okay. Because I'd messaged、uh, Eric Paulson before I came out and said, you know, you know Shuto, where, where's the best places to go、mm. for Shuto? And, and he mentioned a couple of places, and it just so happened that、um, that one was at the super arena, the Gold's Gym at the super、mm. arena. Uh, so, I'd been training there. So, yeah, it was easy for me to get there.、Um, and I went to virtually every one of them from <laughs> Pride 12 or so.、Mm. Yeah.、Oh, it's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, I, I love that particular generation. And so, you jumped right in, and eventually, you were you're training at the Takata Dojo, which to me is just absolutely mind blowing. So, how did that come to pass? How did you get involved with them? Because, from what I understand, that was like they were the best gym in Japan, right? Like, or the, at least the most notable, from what I remember. So, man, that was a crazy set of circumstances. <laughs>、um, uh, my girlfriend at the time, <coughs>、um, I was talking to her about the martial arts, and、uh, she said, Oh, my brother, my brother likes, likes watching the martial arts. He doesn't do it, but he likes watching it.、Uh, K1 and Pride and stuff. I said, Oh, really? And she said,、uh, Yeah, he, he knows、uh, Takada. Mm. And I said, Could you 
get in contact and ask if I can take private lessons with Sakuraba. Mm. You know, I was just thinking about taking some private lessons. And uh, so she did, and he did. And then the word was, yeah, Sakuraba doesn't really do private lessons at all. Mm. Um, but Takada would like to meet you. Mm. So, um, yeah, so that was uh, that was the, the first step right there. I met him um, mm. at Yakiniku, uh, talked about martial arts. And uh, he asked me how serious I was, and I said, "Well, yeah, I love training, and you know, I would like to compete one day, but I'm not really, you know, thinking about it seriously because <clears throat> I just arrived. I'd only been here uh, January, February, March, three three months or so. I'd only been here, you know. Mm. Um, yeah. So he, he he said, "Well, come along to the gym. Mm. Um, you know, you'll have to take a, a physical test. Um, that's what he called it, anyway, mm. physical test." Uh, in front of all the other fighters, <clears throat> uh, but you'll probably pass, and uh, you know we can talk about things after that. Mm. So uh, yeah, that, that's how it went down uh, from from the start. It's just surreal because it's like I, I don't think a lot of people necessarily going going out now really know the level that that gym was at or who you're talking to. I mean, Takata was the man at that time. He had just fought Hickson a few years earlier, right? I think it was like 97 or so he fought Hickson. And uh, yeah, you, you somehow managed to get a dinner with one of the more important MMA guys in the country, which is just absolutely crazy. Stroke of luck. Yeah, complete stroke of luck. It, mm. was, uh, it was amazing how all the cards fell. Yeah, so what? So, how did so uh, tell us a little bit about this physical test? I had heard a little idea of this, but I mean, from what I know of you know Japanese martial arts schools in general, they're pretty tough. Uh, was this along the same lines? I'm I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. So you know, when you think of a physical test, it's just you know to see what what you can do mm. physically. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> really, it wasn't. It was what they call in Japan a konjo. Mm. Um, which is a well a short harp or uh, mm. basically uh, to show your spirit. So you're mm. given a set of um, exercise, well, exercises, um, uh, hellfire, <laughs> basically, uh, and uh, you basically got to show you know how much you can do without stopping. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what what kind of exercises did they include in this? I'm assuming like sit ups, push ups, the whole like you know run through of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, the, the, fir the first was arguably the worst. Mm. Um, it was uh, duck walk races oh, God. across the gym um, ten times. Well, mm. across and back five times. Um, so I'm taking the test with five other guys. There's six of us, um, and you know. So there's that extra element of mm -hmm. uh, competition. Exactly. <laughs> but you do that, um, and your legs are unless you're, you know, a, a wrestler, mm -hmm. an Olympic wrestler. <laughs> then uh, your legs are jelly of course of course I'm, I'm sitting here right now I was gonna grab an ice pack actually before the interview my knees swollen up like a grapefruit and just the idea of one duck walk right now it's oh god those things are brutal I hate it's the the le my least favorite exercise for sure in the gym so I, oh. I can't even imagine racing someone trying to do that so oh, an absolute nightmare I mean and, and I'm six foot five you know so it's um, <laughs> It's just no fun with legs like this, you know. Mm. Oh <laughs> so, god! And so that was, that was the first thing. Mm, that yeah, it's it's brutal. And so the other thing, I'm imagining you're the only foreigner in this situation, or yeah, okay. Was, uh, Rico Rodriguez had been there for a short time. He just left mm. um, before uh, 
before I arrived. Wow. Unfortunately, just left before I arrived. Mm, craziness. Yeah, so so eventually, though, you, you pass this test, I'm assuming, you get through to the next round. So um, so you're training there. What's the day-to-day -day like after you had you had gone through and, and finished this up? So you're, you become oh. a... Yeah. Yeah, uh, everything is taken care of by mm. Takada. So you have to earn your keep. Mm. So, you know, we're getting up in the morning, we're going to the, the Chanko room to make the, the hot pot. Mm. Um, getting all the fighters, all the senpai, their uh, training gear ready. Mm -hmm. um, and then we head off to the gym. Mm. So just to jump in real quick, so the chanko pot, a lot of Westerners might not understand exactly what that is. So that's from sumo, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. The chanko nabe. It's a it's a hot pot of um, any kind of meat, a bunch of vegetables, or all sorts of stuff. Mm. Uh, it's not really a stew as such, um, mm. but it's a, it's a hot pot full of nutrition, and mm. uh, it's it's great. Yeah. So as you know, yeah, the sumo wrestlers they they eat it uh, as their staple in it. It got passed down to the, the pro wrestlers as well. They they, they would eat it in their uh, gyms. It also Takara, of course, coming from the pro wrestling background. It was, it was all about all about that. So there was always mm. a clear link to the sumo world. Definitely coming down through the pro wrestling world world into what uh, he was doing there. Yeah, I'm I'm doing a deep dive into that right now, and I've been doing tons of research into the origins of jujitsu coming through judo and you know kind of even you know modern day pro wrestling and things like this and takata really is at the the middle of that he's right at the intersection of a lot of those things so very interesting figure that a lot of people in the west at the very least and even now in japan don't really know too much about but in all honesty he's really he, he bridged a couple of generations and a, a, a few different sports through that but uh, there's so many things that I, I, I've been you know, kind of curious about in general so nutrition wise that you you guys it's is it three nabes a day is it what how is it, what's the situation in terms of a fighter nutrition at that point yeah two two per day so mm. lunch uh, and dinner but there's a whole bunch of other stuff on the side mm. um, we're given this um, money, it's like a kitty, mm -hmm. um, every week mm -hmm. to, to buy food and we can buy anything else on the side. So, you know, we could cook a bunch of eggs, we could have um, uh, chicken breast, mm -hmm. um, all kinds of stuff. And then we get stuff sent to the gym as well. So, you know, gifts like uh, Kobe beef, oh, uh, nice. okay. uh, Goya from Okinawa, mm -hmm. if, uh, if anybody doesn't know what Goya is, it's, it's, it's a very unusual uh, vegetable, but it's uh, super high in nutrition. Mm. So no uh, no whey proteins, no like, you know, kind of supplementation or anything like that? Was it just like kind of bare bones in a way? Yeah, it wasn't, um, that wasn't provided for us at all. If we wanted to get supplements, so I did have uh, some protein mm. and, uh, at the time, um, but that wasn't really... Uh, expected you'd have to buy that on the side yourself everything else was provided I mean we were given uh, more than enough food to eat mm. uh, in fact we were really pressured to eat to overeat <laughs> okay. I didn't enjoy it it wasn't mm. an enjoyable thing meal times became um, work for me mm. um, 
so yeah that was that was another tough point that I hadn't anticipated mm, okay so so yeah so this is very much like an old school sumo style situation which is really interesting to me so all of you guys are fighting in the same promotions different promotions what's the what's the breakdown of, of where the fighters were were going and I, I would assume right that no one's fighting within the dojo outside right it's that's right, yeah. Mm. Well, at that time, it was a, a very small um, professional team, to be honest. Um, you had uh, Minoru Toyonaga, who's now mm. a very accomplished referee. Mm. Um, uh, he was a hugely helpful uh, senior to me. Um, Daijiro Matsui, who fought in Pride. Mm -hmm. uh, Yoshihisa Yamamoto, who came through rings into Pride. Mm -hmm. um, Sakuraba, of course. Um, so basically, everybody was in in fighting pride mm. wow okay so yeah that's it's it's incredible so and everybody's fighting together or like uh, one of the one of the things i was curious about are takata and sakuraba joining these sessions or is it kind of just like let the kohais fight it out during the day and they'll take like a private at night or something like that so Everybody but Takada, basically, Sakuraba jumped in every session with everybody. Wow. Um, and you were expected to approach him. If you didn't, he would come get you. Wow. But <laughs> you wow. were expected to, to go to him. Uh, Takada, he, he only rolled with a couple of guys um, either during the sparring sessions or after. Mm. Um, but it was he, he would never roll with the, the, the Kohai, the Deshi, or the, the, the living students. Mm -hmm. uh, however, um, later on, when he was gearing up to fight uh, Mirko Krokop, mm -hmm. um, he asked me to train privately with him to get used to you know, the, the striking, wow. and the, the long jabs and, and knees and kicks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so that was, uh, yeah, that was pretty special. Okay. That's wild. And I'm also assuming that you did mention Rico Rodriguez had come over for a little bit as well. Were there foreign fighters that were encouraged to come by maybe to tune up for a another fighter or different fighters from outside of the dojo or was it kind of an insulated situation? <coughs> it was mostly insulated. Um, although you did have a lot of um, guests uh, mm. coming, guys that were you know in the UFC like... Uh, Tsuyoshi Kosaka mm. and uh, Kaluno, who was uh, fighting in sure. one back then. So, because it was such a, an, an elite group, we got a lot of heavyweights coming in. Mm -hmm. um, Kazuki Fujita. Oh, wow. Um, I met him there. Um, first impression of him was amazing. He came up to me, stuck out his hand, and introduced himself in English. Wow. Um, mm. uh, of course, TK, um, mm. he was the same, hugely friendly, and he'd been living in Seattle. Just until oh. that time. Wow! Yeah, I'm always so surprised that some of the fighters are incredible at English, and it even happens to me now. Like, I'll, I'll not know. I've, I've had this multiple times over the course of the, like five year friendships. That one day, all of a sudden, they'll just start speaking English to me, and I've been speaking in Japanese to them for years. So it's yeah <laughs> it's crazy but yeah, yeah but no it, it's uh it's unbelievable and just to think like going back to think about fujita fujita was a man mountain he i remember his fight against shamrock and that was that was incredible fujita was uh, he was a former like really high level wrestler right I, I yes yeah so. mm. that's right yeah there, there was a kind of um kind of running joke um with the, the older guys that had uh, come up with him mm. um because he's, he's such a big guy, he's, he's huge, like a refrigerator, yeah. you know, yeah. um, but he wasn't always like that. Mm. Um, however, his head was always like that. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a runny joke there, but hell of a nice guy. Um, yeah. yeah, it was great training with him. He's super strong as well. Caught me in a double arm bar from the bottom. Oh, so, man. Yeah. I was like, what is this? I haven't seen that one in a long time. Actually, the last time I saw it, I think, was Alexander Olska in Pride was the last double armbar I can remember off the top of my head. But, yeah, um, hopefully we'll see some more of that. You never know. People are throwing shoulders and all sorts of uh, strange techniques these days. So, yeah. Um, so, uh, so, yeah. So, um, again, I, I mentioned this before, but I believe that you were the only foreigner in most situations there. Is that is that right? That's right, yeah, mm. yeah. So, I, in terms of any difficulties with language or cultural, I mean, did, could you speak Japanese at this point? Oh, it was a nightmare. Because, uh, <laughs> I, I could only, yeah, I could only do a couple of basic things. I couldn't string sentences together. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that was really tough at first. Luckily, one of the other uh, living students um, could speak a bit of English. He was broken English, but um, mm. he was a super sharp guy. He went to uh, Keio University. Wow. Um, and um, yeah, he he helped a lot. Mm. Um, but uh, my listening shot up first, of course. Sure. And I got I got used to what was being said, but mm -hmm. I couldn't produce. Of course, yeah. I, w I was in a similar situation. The first dojo that I was at, I could barely string together a sentence as well. And there were certain situations where I was in, and I'm just sitting there and just absolutely confused by what's going on i the technique you can more or less pick up in a foreign language like if anyone's thinking of training abroad i, I definitely recommend it because you know in japan it, you you know the techniques if you're a mid-level white belt or something like that most of these you know the movements aren't too out there but when it starts to get into some unspoken things in terms of rolling with you know maybe higher level guys or higher level level belts at that point I don't know. I've I've run into some issues. I've actually been shut down a few times with sparring here, um, in terms of like asking a black belt to spar. They're a lot more, from what I've seen anyway. Uh, people here are a lot more. You know, you don't challenge a higher rank, and I, I don't know if that was the same in in the gym over there. But um, yeah, you, you mentioned Takata was a little bit kind of off to the side, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a shock to me for sure. So. Um, so anyway, well, you 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 fought here for a little while, right? You were you you did you, how, how many fights did you have in total? Um, it was uh, twelve, I think, in the end. Mm. Um, the, a couple of them were um, kind of borderline um, professional amateur, but mm. you know, still still with you know the full rule set. Mm -hmm. And did you have any MMA experience before coming over here? You mentioned you'd done some regular martial arts, but did you have like ring or cage experience or anything like that? Nah, absolutely nothing, no. So you got your first fight through Takata Dojo? No, no, I oh. didn't actually. Um, that was after I'd left. I'd left the dojo the following year. Okay. And, um, and I started uh, training with uh, Genki Sudo uh, and the team he formed. Um, and... Um, Basically, my ticket to uh, professional debut was to win uh, an amateur tournament. Mm. So that was my my next focus. I had to do that first. But so you 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 fought in a in a tournament like a, a one day tournament or multi day or how did that work out? What uh, one day? Um, one in, one here in Tokyo and another one in Osaka. And it was the one in Osaka I won. Um, after I won that, then I was basically given my pro license. And how many fights was that in one day? <laughs> 
Actually, it wasn't that many because at heavyweight, there's not that many guys. Mm. It was only like uh, three, nothing there. (laughs) That's still pretty insane. Um, Thinking about it now, it's like even Ryzen spreads out the GPs over multiple months. I can't imagine. That's that's pretty insane. Um, What's what's a three... uh, three fight tournament day like i mean you go and you go out you fight uh, what's the what's the in between like what are what are the, what's the waiting time like oh, it's all very uh, it's all very casual you know these are um, generally at bigger gyms with big mats and the people are just kind of sitting around waiting and mm. all different weight classes going out and then you have the the tournament uh, brackets on the on the wall mm-hmm. uh, you can see the updates and stuff so it's um yeah, it's a it's a good amount of time you're there from the morning uh, through through the afternoon, um, but the fights are, in my experience anyway, we're not too close together, so mm. enough time to recover. For sure, but yeah, still, I mean, recover <laughs> if if you get injured in the midst of one of those, that's that's unbelievable. Even you know, going back to Ryzen for a moment, I did hear that uh, that at least one of the fighters, I think um, Patricky, uh, wound up breaking his hand during the fight, and uh, no, Tofik as well. So they they went into that fight having you know two fights in the same night, fighting in the final with a broken hand. I I can't even imagine what that must be like. But yeah, yeah, it changes everything, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Not just physically, but mentally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, but uh, just just to jump back because you actually uh, you jumped a little ahead in my questions. I had heard that you trained with Genki Sudo, but I wanted to discuss him a little bit because he's one of those guys. Um, I was gonna say almost McGregor's prototype in a way. He he's like a. He he really was an innovator a long time before some of the guys came around. Now, um, what are what are your thoughts on him? I mean, were you were you around him? Were you you were training with him, right? Yeah. Yeah. At the um, same, no, sorry, yeah. Great, yeah, absolutely amazing. Um, very innovative, uh, unorthodox, always, always trying new things, um, really fast movement, um, mm. and his, uh, yeah, his submissions were, were lightning quick. I just, I remember watching some of those before going to jiu-jitsu practice, like watching his matches in the UFC, or even he did one in, um, I think it was in California somewhere, an in-house tournament where he was doing all sorts of weird flying triangles and all sorts of craziness. So yeah, he was one of my absolute heroes when I got started and I was like, I, w- I absolutely want to meet him for sure. So yeah, um, but so it, you you were, uh, this is a, a totally separate situation from Takata Dojo, right? So this is... You, you had finished up with them and you're, I don't know, kind of like a, l- looking for dojos or you had a you had a place at this time or what's what's the situation in terms of that? Um, well, it happened pretty quickly uh, because I, I, I'd already made a lot of contacts and knew a lot of guys. Mm. Um, so as soon as I came out of there, um, one of the guys who had been in Takada Dojo before me and left mm-hmm. he was he was friends with Genki so um, he said um, yeah, let's train together so um, yeah, yeah. We, we did that I can't even remember how so maybe at, at least two or three times a week we, we trained nice and he was throwing out all kinds of all, all kinds of craziness <laughs> had, had you seen any of that that kind of things before from him or it would... not from him no but yeah. um, you know that, that era there was a lot of guys doing uh, really cool stuff um hmm. Rumi Asato, Takanoi Gomi, all of these guys at, at that time um, were not only active in, in MMA, but they were taking part in this uh, 
submission wrestling mm. uh, tournaments, yeah. which was, you know, they would allow pro and am together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, there was a lot of uh, a lot of really wild stuff going on. There. It was great. It was an exciting time. Mm, yeah, I just I remember he he did everything in terms of like he would challenge himself K one and he fought uh, Butterbean, right? Yeah. <laughs> Were you around for that fight? Because that that's absolutely insane yes. to me. Yeah. yeah. That, <laughs> so how how did he how did he train for Butterbean? Like it, so Genki Sudo was I mean what like. 70 kilos 80 kilos max like i mean butterbean must i you know i he's he's just a massive boxer what what's the training like for that it was pretty simple to be honest um <laughs> look for the the, the leg attacks <laughs> fair enough yeah so um, his, his legs were on his mind the whole time he wasn't he wasn't going anywhere plan, yeah. <laughs> plan and, and, and he executed it you know <laughs> yeah for sure for sure so um so yeah so we're we're talking about a lot of different overlap and we we got into this a little bit earlier but um so what are your thoughts on the MMA and pro wrestling connection in Japan so we have a lot of guys that have been combining different styles but people in the west at the very least they hear things about pro wrestling and they imagine guys in face paint body slamming each other and things like that what what do you? What are your thoughts on on the crossover between MMA and pro wrestling out in Japan? Well, there's a clear, clear historical link there mm. uh, between them because it, if you look at history, all of those guys, whenever they, uh, whenever they met, when you got pro wrestlers traveling from the UK to Japan or Japan to the UK or you know the States or Mexico, they would always share mm. techniques. Mm-hmm. And those techniques almost always bled out into the guys who were pioneering MMA. Sure, sure. Um, so yeah, that that link um, is has always been there. And um, yeah, if, if anybody doesn't know much about it, yeah, look, looking into it and doing some research, you'll find out some uh, amazing stuff to see how how things are connected and internationally. You exactly. know, Brazil. Brazil, America, UK, Japan, and, mm-hmm. and, and more. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not just talking about MMA and, and pro wrestling here. Um, BJJ is thoroughly in that mix as well. Yeah, I, I've been doing deep dives into kind of all of them, and I'm going to have them on the podcast in a little bit. But in preparation for this, I've been looking at the Snake Pit over in Koenji. I don't know if you're familiar with them at all. But yeah. that they they all come in from the UK and there's a there's an incredible UK connection, and somehow you know this catch wrestling gym manages to be like a like a museum or like a like a place in Japan that just keeps the tradition alive, and then you have guys coming out of there. I mean, I I actually the one time I met Sakuraba was at that gym. Um, did you ever go through them with with UWF? Any of those? Was there any intersection with your training and those guys or? Not too much, no. To be honest, not not back in the day. Um, yeah, I only met a couple of the UWF guys later, mm. later on. Um, just um, not through training, but just 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 happened to meet them in the circuit, you know. Mm, yeah, definitely. It's just it, like you said. It's so interesting just to see all those little connections, and you know the way judo is disseminated around the world, and. You know, catch wrestling continues on and things like that. So, yeah, um, super interesting stuff. So, um, just a, a little bit of uh, kind of you know 
um, I guess we can we can wrap up in terms of your uh, your uh, career, your MMA career. Um, so I guess um, you you became a commentator for Pancreas and Quintet. How did that kind of evolve out of your MMA career? I mean, you definitely built up some great connections, but how, what was the genesis of that? Yeah, well, um, obviously, knowing everybody in the circuit was was a start. Um, but then when things finally started to move back in 2015, when um, Mr. Sakai got Pancras involved with the UFC Fight Pass, mm. uh, that was when things really started to open up to the world a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd heard about the job um, that was available through Lenny Hart. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> So I yeah I jumped on that immediately and uh, and, and got in, in touch. I was overseas at the time, mm. so uh, I came back and I sat down with um, a woman from the, uh, an agency, basically mm. a, a, a voice talent agency. Um, and she explained and, and I said and she I looked at the card that was coming up, the Pancras mm. card. I was like, yeah, I know some of these guys. This <laughs> is uh, this is not going to be too difficult for mm. me. In fact, I think this is the job for me. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I have uh, a lot to thank. Um, first of all, to Takada-san for getting me started. Mm. Um, but then, of course, um, you know, I, I have to thank uh, Lenny Hart and mm. then Mr. Sakai from Pancras for really giving me the, the big break there. Wow, it's, it's incredible. Wow, yeah. A lot, a lot of great stuff. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time out to, uh, to, to talk for a little while and hopefully, uh, yeah, people, people can get something out of this because you really came out of a, a very, very interesting part of the MMA generation and you continue to, to bring some info to us. So thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Mike. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.